0: we welcome you to the Tabernacle podcast brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I invite you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Acts. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in the seat in front of you, or if you have one on your device, because I'll invite you to look at some scriptures with us. And we'll pray that the Lord will help us and guide us. The book of the Acts, the Acts of the Apostles sometimes called, it's actually the Acts of the Continuing Work of Christ. And I challenge you, I'm trying to put myself back 2,000 years ago, where these people are. We sit here in 2022, 2,000 plus years after Christ, with a full revelation of the Scripture. God's Holy Spirit, we know. And we look back historically at this, but these were real people that know very little of the spiritual things that we have access to. Very little. I mean, they were, they were just learning on the fly. We have so much, so much that we have access to, that we have knowledge of, that we have the revelation of, And God has always been faithful throughout history, but we are a blessed people. Not only blessed, and this is where I'm really, really been convicted this week and not convicted, encouraged, challenged. But we are in Hickory, North Carolina at the Tabernacle Baptist Church. And I'll tell you, friends, there are unusual things happening at the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory. Unusual, special things happening. And I'm excited about it. Amen. And what can God do? Am I, gonna, am I, am I myself, my family, are we going to be an aid to that? Or are we going to be a hindrance to God's Holy Spirit? That's the challenge to me. So here we find ourselves at the end of the Gospels and the end of the Acts, the book of the continuing Christ, as we said. And these people, these apostles were gathered together, they had just been with Christ, thought that the kingdom was coming, the triumphant entry. One week later, it all comes crashing down. They run and hide. Christ is crucified, he's buried, then he's risen. Now, for 40 days, he's been with them. 40 days. 40 days. A little over a month. How do you suspect that time went for them? Do you think they expected it was going to be longer? Do you think that at the end of those 40 days, they wished they had given more attention to what he was saying? I don't know. I think we all take for granted the time we have, don't we? But 40 days, and he's sharing with them, and I'm just trying to picture their excitement or their consternation or their what they were trying to grasp everything they could. And then he tells them, I'm going to leave. And they gather on the Mount of Olives, and he ascends. And in Acts chapter 1 and verse 4, we read, And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he saith, Ye have heard of me. But wait. Wait. Just wait. For John truly baptized. Now this is an interesting verse. And remember, put yourself in their place. They don't know anything about what we know, about the Holy Spirit, about the Scripture that we have. And he says to them, for John truly baptized with water. They said, we saw that. We've seen that. We We know that. But ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Well, what did that mean? Baptized, water, I get that baptized, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Is there... Are you, are you with them? Do you, under, do you understand? Now, when we read that, we say, oh, yeah, well, that's easy to understand. I know exactly what they're talking about because we've already read the rest of the chapter. They're just listening, taking it all in. Inquisitive minds. Verse 7, And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. And then we get to verse 8, But... Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. What a statement. What a confounding thing for them to hear. Ye shall receive power. Move with me, if you will, over to verse 14. And these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Now, you're going to follow that pattern, one accord in prayer and supplication. We're at the very, very early days of the church as we know. Now, here we gather tonight in a beautiful place, air-conditioned, by the way, and all God's people said, yes. But the church, in its infant stages, to be empowered, these all continued with one. Why did they continue with one accord in prayer and supplication? Because Christ said, "Wait." So I said, "Wait, wait," with one accord. Moving on to chapter two, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, here they are. They were all with one accord. That's one mind, one passion. Christ had told us that this Holy Spirit's going to come, and we're going to be endued with power from on high, and we're going to be witnesses. He said, wait. I wonder what that means. What do you think it means? Where do you think we're going to go? Who's going to go first? How many of us are going to go? Do we all go together? Who's going to listen? What is that? All of these questions, all the things that we know, they had no idea about. All they had ever seen, they'd followed Christ around, seen Him with the multitudes. Are we going to be on the shore of Galilee and preaching as Christ did? Are we going to be in the synagogues? We're going to be, he said, wait. So they're waiting. Wait for how long? Wait. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind that filled the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire. And it sat upon each, like as a fire, excuse me, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now they'd been waiting 50 days, as it turned out. 50 days. I imagine some of them thought those 50 days passed quickly. And some of them thought, I don't think there's anything that's going to happen here. Did we miss it? Did we fall asleep and it came and we, we missed it somehow? But they didn't miss it. 50 days into the wait in the day of Pentecost, and they were with one accord filled with the Holy Ghost. Then in chapter two and verse 14, Peter, he stands up to preach. Three minutes and six seconds it took me to preach this message. Peter's message. Three minutes, That's it. Three minutes from what we have recorded in Scripture. Pretty light on illustration, pretty light on application. Just the message that God had given him in three minutes, verse 14 through 46. This is where he says in verse 21, And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The first time anybody had ever heard anything like that. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Peter's preaching to these people. Whosoever. Whosoever. Verse 37, now when they heard this, three minute message, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? What shall we do? That put them on the spot. Now they were going to get much better at this, but this was new to them. Everyone in this room would know how to answer that question. But what shall we do? But this is brand new. They had received power. Peter filled, preaches the message. But what shall we do? In verse 41, Then they that gladly received His word were baptized in the same day, the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Fill this room up ten times. 3,000 people came to Christ according to God's word on that three-minute message. 1,000 people per minute. (laughs) Are you with me? Are you with these people? It's brand new. The life that they had with Christ is past. They thought their life was over. Now this whole new chapter is, is opening Chapter 2, and verse 46 and 47. All right, let's go to 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and in prayers. Verse 46. And they continued daily, there we go, with one accord. Continued daily with one accord. One author said this this accord, listen to this quickly if you'll allow me. It's used 12 times in the New Testament, 10 times in the book of Acts. Do you suppose it's any secret that the power through God's Holy Spirit of this church rested upon the fact that these people were in one accord with one heart and one mind? What do you suppose can happen in Hickory, North Carolina with a people that are gathered together with one accord and with one mind? One accord. This author says it comes, it comes from a, a compound Greek word. I could say it, but you wouldn't appreciate it anyway. Meaning rush along and in unison. Rush along and in unison. In one accord. It's a musical term. A number of notes are sounded which, while different, harmonize in pitch and tone. And this author says, as the instruments of a great concert under the direction of a concert master, so the Holy Spirit blends together the lives of members of Christ's church. Remember, members together? That's what it is. And here we sit tonight. Look around. Look around. Can we move Hickory, North Carolina with the help of God's Holy Spirit? God bless you. I heard that amen back there. One accord. One accord. You see, doctrinal impurity or any other type of impurity is not the only tool that the devil has to ruin a church. All he has to do is divide, get a foot in somewhere, and divide. And I'm praying that God will guard my heart and not let me be a dividing spirit because there's much work to be done. That's what this church realized. They were with one accord. One accord. Dive over to, move on over to chapter four, if you would please. Chapter four and verse. 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Peter preaching again. Verse 13, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled, and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And Peter says, For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Verse 32, We'll be introduced to Barnabas. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and one soul. Neither said any of them that ought of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. Now we're, we're talking about the church at Jerusalem and seeing great revival. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great peace was upon all them. Neither was there any among them that lacked for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold, and laid them down at the apostles' feet, and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And here we are introduced to Joseph. He got a nickname. I always wanted a nickname. Being in uh, education 36 years, I'm pretty sure I had some nicknames. (laughs) Pretty sure. (laughs) But none that I ever was able to use publicly. (laughs) <laughs> but he had a nickname, a nickname, and they nicknamed this guy Barnabas. Barnabas. Now, I know you know all about Barnabas, and I know all about Barnabas. But what I'm convicted by when I'm reading this about Barnabas is Barnabas' commitment to the church. He, he tied himself to God's word and to God's people. And he allowed God to use him. That's where we find him, right here. First time we see him. He was nicknamed Barnabas. I don't know when he got the nickname before this was penned or after this was penned. The son of consolation or encouragement or exhortation. He was a Levite, the country of Cyprus. Now we're in Jerusalem right now. Cyprus is an island out in the Mediterranean, maybe 200 miles from north of Jerusalem, north and west. But he had land and sold it, bought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. It's his fault that Ananias and Sapphira died. (laughs) That's right. It was his idea. He had land, he sold it, brings it, lays it at the apostles' feet. That's our introduction to him. Go with me, if you will, to chapter 5 as we keep moving through. Hang on to Barnabas. Chapter 5 and verse 12. And we see it again. And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people. This is, uh, Schofield says, the power of a holy church. The power of a holy church. If you're making notes, you might want to write down 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1 through 10. And Paul talks about that. The power of a holy church. The power of a holy church. And they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Verse 14, And believers were the more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch that they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and couches, that at the least the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about into Jerusalem bringing sick folks. And then there were vexed and unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. The power of a holy church. What influence in Jerusalem This brand new church. But people were talking. People knew something was going on. Now, everyone wasn't happy about it, but people's lives were being changed forever, for eternity. Chapter 6, we're introduced to Stephen. Chapter 7. Stephen becomes the first martyr in the New Testament. And then we have our first mention of Saul, chapter 7, verse 58. And they cast him out of the city, speaking of Stephen, and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. One accord. Then we see Barnabas again in chapter 9. Persecution comes again. We hear about Philip. Lots of, lots of things happening. And then chapter 9, Saul is persecuting Christians. And he's headed to find Christians to persecute. And he meets Christ himself and is saved. And we know Ananias helped him when he gets to Damascus. But then we're introduced again to Barnabas in chapter 9 and verse 26. And this is now three years later. Now it's two verses in our Bible. But Paul, read Galatians chapter 1, Paul left and went to Arabia for three years. Now he's back and Barnabas finds him. Barnabas is faithful. He's, he's hanging in there. This wasn't a sell my land, lay the money at your feet, and I'm going to go find something. He was there. God's Word doesn't tell us what he was doing for that amount of time. But he was faithful. And here he finds, here he finds Saul when Saul comes to Jerusalem. And Saul can't get anybody to take him in. And uh, the people of Jerusalem had heard about Saul, heard he'd gotten saved. he's was at Damascus preaching. Was that real? Was it not real? Then he disappears for three years. Ooh! Dodge that bullet. Maybe he's gone. Now he shows up at Jerusalem, this new church. I don't know about this guy. What do you think? And Barnabas found him. And he took him and brought him. In verse 26 and 27. He took him and brought him. The preciousness of that. He took him in and he brought him. And he declared unto them. We've got to move quickly. And let's get to chapter 11 and verse 24. And here's the text verse. I'll give you three quick points and we'll be on Klondike Bar. Chapter 11. That's the new church. Now we're three years into it. And it's still exciting. God's still working. They're still preaching the gospel. People are still being saved. It's a miraculous time. They were first called Christians at Antioch, remember? A derogatory term. Persecution is coming. Continually, They're scattered after Stephen's death. Preaching the gospel. Hundreds of miles away. And now we meet up with Barnabas again in chapter 11, verse 19. Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phenis and Cyprus, Antioch, preaching the word to none but the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus... And Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came to the ears of the church which was at Jerusalem. Now, that was happening in Antioch. And the church in Jerusalem heard about it. And they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Verse 24, here's the text. For he was a good man, and full of the Holy Ghost, and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. And much people... Excuse me. <clears throat> was added unto the Lord. Barnabas. We read about Barnabas. We know about Barnabas. We see these mentioned in a dozen verses or so, 20, 28 verses actually. But his connection to the Lord and to God's people, he was in the day of the modern-day vernacular. He was all in. Not just he sold his land and gave the money. Just by the testimony we have right here, he had given his life, he would given his life to this purpose. And time and time again, much people were added to the Lord. Much people were added to the Lord. Much people were added to the Lord. So it's not about Barnabas any more than it's about me or it's about you. It's about a life given to God and his work. A life given to God and his work. And a people given in one accord, with one mind and one passion and one heart to prove God, to see what he can do. Because that's what he wants, that's what he, that's what his desire is to make himself known. And he has chosen to use you and to use me to do it if we'll avail ourselves. Just like he used Barabbas. Barnabas. <laughs> Barnabas. Just like he used Barnabas. Three things. You see him right here in verse 24. He was a good man. You know, I sat in this auditorium on Saturday, as many of you did, and was encouraged as the pastor ministered to the families of Bud Linder and Art Frederick. And do you know why we gathered together and honored the memory of Bud Linder and Art Frederick and helped encourage their family? Because of the life that they had given to the local church. Now, they did other things. They were professional people. They were educated people. They had done other things. They had family. God had used them in other ways. But for this body of believers, it's the contribution that they had made to God's work in this local church and the impact that it has on Hickory, North Carolina. That's Barnabas. That's Barnabas. First it says in verse 24 that he was a good man. What does that mean, he's a good man? Well... The commentaries all say it means he was a good man. <laughs> he was a good man. Nothing hidden there. He was a good man. I know the Bible says there's none good. We get that. There's nobody that's sinless. Christ was the only sinless man. We understand that. But we do know that there's a difference between good people and bad people. There's no question about it. He's a good man. I don't know about that. Did you ever have a neighbor that was not a good man? <laughs> don't look Don't look around. He was a good man. He was good. I think that means Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8. Whatsoever things are true, what sort of things are honest, what sort of things are just, whatsoever things are pure, what sort of things are lovely, what sort of things are of good report. Think on these things. He was a good man. He was a good man. Amen. Psalm 19, verse 14. I think, I think this was he would have, he would have dived into this. This prayer, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. He was a good man, and God used him. He didn't use him because he was good, because there's no goodness in any of us that God can use. But his life given to God made, made, it, made him good to others. He was a good man, and God used him. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 21 says, The sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. He was a good man. He knew how to communicate with people and encourage them. He he made being a Christian look like something you'd like to do. He was a good man. He was a good man. He was not only a good man, he was full of the Holy Ghost. Full of the Holy Ghost. That was brand new to these people. Now, your whole life you've known, you've known about the Holy Ghost. And if you've trusted Christ as Savior, and I think I know everybody in this room. If you've trusted Christ as your personal Savior, then you have God's Holy Spirit indwelling in you. The question is, have I yielded myself to His Holy Spirit? Full of the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. He was had the fruit of the Spirit. He was full of the Holy Ghost. And then he was full of faith. He was full of faith. Christ said it this simply in Mark chapter 11, verse 22. Four words. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. James said, I will show thee my faith by my works. I'll close with what Matthew Henry gave us on this verse, these verses from Barnabas. He was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. He showed himself to be a man very sweet, affable, courteous. He had himself the art of obliging and could teach others. He was not only a righteous man, that's through Christ's shed blood, but he was a good man. Ministers, or any of us, if you will, that are so good... We recommend themselves and their doctrine very much to the good opinion of those that are without. It's a great testimony. But now get this. The goodness of his natural disposition would not have qualified him for this service if he had not been full of the Holy Ghost and full of the Holy Ghost power. Much people were added to the Lord and thereby added to the church. And here's our challenge. Many were turned to the Lord. We read that in Acts. But many are yet to be turned to Christ. He was a good man. He was full of Holy Ghost and of faith. And may the Lord help us. As we are members of this body. As we have opportunity to encourage one another and those around us. May we... Seek to be a good testimony. May we yield our lives daily to God's Holy Spirit. And may we simply take Christ's admonition and have faith in God and see what He will do and prove Himself through a people that are yielded to Him. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com.